0: All right. Good, good morning uh, to you all. Uh, thanks again to the to the Sunday School. They did a a really great job uh, this morning. Uh, I, I think as we would read our Bible reading and think a bit about um, just a short passage this morning, I think actually what what is about to be said already has been said by the Sunday School in a probably in a much more uh, interactive and poetic way that will already be said uh, than will now be said. But just to just as we begin, um, I, I, I was thinking about something, I, and I was thinking recently. We live in a, an increasingly digital world, don't we? The way that we live has drastically changed over the last few decades. It it was good this morning that the children were reading from from paper rather than from iPads and and scrolling through screens. But the click of a mouse or the touch of a screen is how things get done today, isn't it? We're told that to resist is is to be left behind. It's to be outdated and old-fashioned. I've tried my hardest to be outdated and old-fashioned for as long as possible, but even last year, I got an email address. Um, but things like education or work, shopping, banking, it's all accessed online now, isn't it? We're entertained by smartphones and digital TVs. We communicate by, by email, by social media and WhatsApp messages. Maybe we could have a first picture on the screen, please, Lucy. Uh, I, I saw in the lead up to, well, the lead up till now over the last few weeks, I saw this a bit of an advert from Royal Mail. Um, I'm sending texts instead of cards this Christmas. Very festive of you. Keep it special. Send a card. Um, that's. I was just reading that in case you couldn't see it. You, 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 you could all, You could all see it. Um, Keep it special. Send a card. That was the, That was the. Uh, that was a bit of a slogan from Royal Mail uh, for this this year and this uh, Christmas season. Maybe that's something to do with the price of a first-class stamp and every card that you send makes them money into their bank. I, I'm not sure. But but, but they, they had this extended slogan that said this, you can't put a text on the mantelpiece, so don't phone it in this Christmas. Writing a card means more than pressing send. Keep it special, send a card. And, and I was thinking maybe Royal Mail are onto something here because there is something special about receiving a personally addressed envelope. I I, I say personally addressed envelope. Some of the uh, personally addressed envelopes we we receive, we maybe prefer not to, but but maybe if it's a card or or a letter that is addressed to us from, from a loved one, from someone that we know, and they're sending that with love, they're sending that with some good news that is to be delivered to us. Luke, at the beginning, already uh, kind of introduced our Christmas series. So over these next uh, few Sundays in December, as a church, we're going to be thinking about this idea of Christmas letters, handwritten letters from New Testament writers sent out to, to individuals, sent out to churches, and and within those letters, containing some wonderful truth about the reason for Christmas. Uh, and know these next few weeks, we're just going to to dip into some of those and pull out some verses or or some um, wonderful truths about Christmas, the, the reason for Christmas, the reason why uh, Jesus came. So if you've got your Bible and you want to turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, we're just going to read a couple of verses this morning. 1 Timothy 1 verses 15 to 16. And the Apostle Paul writes this as he as he writes his le- letter to, to Timothy. He says this, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience, as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Just a short passage this morning, but but I, I want to uh, just make three brief points this morning as we look into that, uh, that, that wonderful truth. Uh, and I think as we look into the, these two verses this morning, in a very simple way, this passage firstly tells us what we are like. Secondly, it tells us what God is like. And finally, I feel it challenges us. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it when we see what we are like? When we see what we are like? When we see what God is like? What are we going to do about it? And the first thing that we see that Paul points out here is that the problem of humanity is that we are all sinners. He points out the problem of humanity. We're all sinners. He mentions that in in the end of verse verse fifteen, and particularly pointing to his own experience, his own experience of of knowing the reality of sin was that he describes himself as as, as the foremost. He's the the worst of sinners, the worst of sinners. As he looks back over his life, he sees the the, the things that he's done in his life, and he recognises he's the worst of sinners question for us this morning that we might be thinking what what is sin what is sin well in response to this question what is sin john piper writes this sin is the glory of god not honored the holiness of god not reverenced the greatness of god not admired the power of god not praised the truth of god not sought the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savoured, the faithfulness of God not trusted, the promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, and the person of God not loved. He says, that is sin. Let let me try and simplify that for us this morning. Sin is a mindset that prefers other things more than God. Sin, Sin tramples on the truth of God. Sin exchanges God for created things. Sin is a heart that rebels against God. That's what we've seen over the last few weeks at church, isn't it? As we've looked through 1 Samuel and it challenged us about what it looks like to have idols in our lives. Let me try and simplify again. Sin is to say this, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your rules. I I like the way that um, it was narrated in in the opening part of the nativity. Uh, Adam and Eve in the garden spat in the face of God. Shove off God, I'm in charge. No to your rules. This is a this is a very real modern day problem, but it's a it's a very old problem. If you were to turn in your Bibles to the almost the the second second page, somewhere about there in the Bibles. Early on, that, that is the, the origin of sin. That is the the start of sin. That is where sin begins. It's an old problem in, in Genesis chapter 3. In those early chapters of Genesis, we read something of the, the family tree uh, of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. That was something else that was narrated to us um, earlier. When God created man, he made him in the image, in the likeness of of God to reflect something of the beauty, uh, the glory of God, but there there we see in, in the garden Adam and Eve turning away from the good rule and the good word of God, turning to trust their own their own thoughts, their own hearts. And what's the consequences of sin? The Bible makes it very clear from the start that a holy God cannot live in the presence of sinful people, uh, and so in judgment. Adam and Eve are cast out from the garden. The consequences of sin is, is to face God's judgment, It's to experience separation from God, to bear an image that is distorted, to feel that things are not as they should be, to know the reality of death hanging over us. That is the consequences of sin. We read on it in the family tree of Adam that Adam, he fathered a son in his own likeness, in his own image. See, sin is a very old problem, but it's also a very contemporary problem. This sinful nature has been passed down through the generations, passed down from Adam, inherited by every generation until it reached us. This is an idea even that's picked up by, by David, King David as he writes Psalm 51 as he writes this well known psalm of repentance, after being convicted of his sins, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother. Conceive me he 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 david looks back over the entirety of his, his life he looks back even before he was born to to the point when his mum went for the first 12 week scan uh, and he sees on that little ultrasound scan baby david before he was even born uh, and he sees within that unborn baby is sin beginning to grow sin is there See, sin is an all-inclusive problem. There is no exceptions. But it's into this setting of hopelessness and despair, into this setting of darkness, that these verses of Paul's letter are, are delivered directly towards this Christmas. This Christmas letter comes towards this Christmas message, brings wonderful hope as it tells us of the purpose of the mission. Tells us of the purpose of the mission that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. I don't know about you, but it it seems to me that uh, Christmas songs uh, begin to appear on the radio earlier and earlier every year. Um, This year it seemed like the clocks had only just changed uh, we just entered into November. I turned on the radio, and uh, someone singing about "They Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day." And see, these Christmas songs uh, fill fill the radio through the month of December. Um, re- recently, I, I, I heard again the song um, "Santa Claus is Coming to Town," and and it kind of in that song gives the mission statement of Father Christmas. He's making a list and, and he's checking it twice. He's he's going to find out who's been naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. And, and then it gets a bit weird. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Uh, so be good for goodness sake. You see, the the way that Father Christmas works, if you believe the words of this song, is that it's all about performance-related activity. So, in the lead up to Christmas, for for those children believing those those, those words, it, it it must be a, a terrifying prospect. As as you and as I assess my behaviour leading up to to Christmas, um, how is it going to turn out for us? Must be especially worrying for those with slightly more mischievous tendencies. How is it going to go on Christmas morning? Well. In contrast to that, listen to the words of Paul here as he reveals the the mission statement of Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is the reason for Christmas. This is the reason that God the Father sent God the Son into the world to be born as a helpless baby. The coming of the Son of God is so much more than, than just a historical event. The coming of God is, is a strong message of hope sent by God to, to, to young parents full of doubt uh, and confusion. It was the, the hope directly sent from God that says, you are to call this child Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It was a message of hope sent directly to the ordinary shepherds at work in the fields. Shepherds who had year on year provided a lamb to be sacrificed in the temple, knowing that that was never enough to cover sins, that it would need to be repeated again, to to hear the wonderful news of of Christmas that the Lamb of God was coming into the world. It It was a message of hope directly sent to those wise men who, who were compelled to travel from afar to worship him. It was a message of hope to the hopeless. It was a message of hope for those who knew the scriptures and were longing for a saviour. And it's a message of hope for all people today. God knows our situation. He knows what we need and he has intervened. Uh, Just uh, a couple of weeks ago, someone um, made me aware of of this uh, great quote from from Don Carson. He he says this, If God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a, a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death, and he sent us a saviour. That's, that's good news for us this Christmas, isn't it? Jesus' humble birth, his obedient life, his substitutionary death, and his powerful raising from the dead covers the sins of ordinary sinful people like you and like me and saves us from living lives of of slavery bound by sin and death. The good news this Christmas is that to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, a saviour has come who is Christ the Lord. We were reminded, weren't we, in the nativity of the good news that the angels gave to the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. It's for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. The, The message that Christ Jesus came into the world is good news for all people. It's good news for all people, not just those who, who look like they've got life sorted. It's not just those for those who seem like they're pretty good people, but it's for all people. It's for sinners. It's for those downcast. It's for those lost. Jesus came for all people. Jesus came to us, not because we are worthy, but he came because we are unworthy. He came because we're helpless. We're unable to change our situation, our standing before God. Jesus came to be the saviour that we need. See, the problem of humanity is that we're all sinners. The purpose of the mission is that Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And in saving sinners, we might clearly see the patience of God. In saving sinners, God's work of saving helps us to see the patience of God. Why? That we might believe in him. Paul says to to Timothy this is a trustworthy saying deserving of full acceptance the, the context of this verse is Paul's own experience it's Paul's own testimony that he that he speaks of when when he writes the, this letter Paul's own testimony of how he's been changed and transformed by by God's uh, mercy the end of verse 15 We we already pointed out that that he sees himself as the worst of sinners. Well, back in verse 13, he says, I I formerly blasphemed, persecuted, insulted Christ Jesus. This was a a man who was so opposed uh, to, to Jesus and the things of God. So why then did... Did Jesus choose the the chief persecutor of the church to become the chief messenger of the church? Verse 16, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. See, God took a God-hating man and made him his son. God took a a murderer of Christians and made him a missionary of the good news. And why did he do it? He did it to display his perfect patience. He did it to demonstrate to us today what his mercy can do in the lives of those who, who trust in him. He did it so we might grasp hold of the message of Christmas that no one who trusts in Jesus is beyond God's power to save. No one who trusts in Jesus is beyond His power to save. Jesus came that first Christmas to be our Savior, and the Bible tells us He will return again as Judge. Back in in the Old Testament, in the, in the Bible, we, we we read something of of God revealing his name, which reveals his character, which is this, The Lord of the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That's the kind of God that he is, but who will by no means clear the guilty. That is. The character of God, God is a, a righteous judge, and from the beginning of bible history we 've seen that sin must be dealt with, and it will be finally and fully when Jesus returns it in power and great glory. to some who would question or doubt the return of Jesus, we, we read these words in in two Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but he's patient towards you not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance the reason that god has not acted in in total judgment and and wiped us out completely which is what we do deserve is because he's so patient towards us he's so patient towards us giving us the opportunity to, to respond, that we might come to that point of repentance and faith in him. As we live in these days, remember this, God is patient with us. Just as we come to a close, I, I, I wonder this this Christmas, what what will you do with Jesus? How do you see Jesus? How will you respond to him? Will you continue to live a life of self-dependent rebellion, resisting him, trusting ourselves? The good news of Christmas again is that Christ Jesus came into the world for you. He came into the world for you. He came for you and me. Will you turn and trust him today? God is patient with us that we might be those who fully accept the trustworthy saying, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. God is patient with us that we might believe in him and receive the wonderful gift of eternal life. Just as we we close, let, let me read into the next verse, verse 17 of 1 Timothy 1. This is how... Paul responds as as he sees the the remarkable change that God has done in his life as he's received god's mercy he says these words of praise to the king of the ages immortal invisible the only God be honor and glory forever and ever amen you see when we 're saved from sin when we 're changed and when we 're transformed by the mercy and grace of god we 're saved to something. We're saved to righteousness. Not that we might be full of pride, but that we might be full of praise. See, that was the response of some of these characters that we, we saw in the Nativity, wasn't it? These wise men who who travelled afar and fell down and worshipped the baby Jesus. All the, the shepherds who, who heard the good news about, about Jesus. And after visiting... They returned glorifying and praising God. You see, this is the response of someone who's had a genuine encounter with the Saviour Jesus. Our lives are full of worship and praise. See, God has done everything so that we might be saved. He sent his Son into this world Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And for those who will, of us who, who are trusting in, in Jesus' finished work of salvation today, we, we look forward to that day when, when God's work in us is done. When we stand perfected before Jesus, we will worship him and we will join together with, with one voice. Say, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb.